Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of emc2learning.com, greatest community of educators around. Today's episode is about teaching challenge, which we're going to kind of unpack in a moment. But before we kind of get there, just a few things to kind of keep in mind. One, the Hive Summit is going on, so definitely check out the Hive Summit. You can sign up if you haven't done so at hivesummit.org and totally free. You can sign up as a Tinker Teacher. We put it up on the EMC2 platform for ease of use. They're all right there for you. You don't have to worry about an email going to the junk email box there. So just check it out. Sign up. Takes you like less than a minute and you're going to have tons and tons of PD ready for you. And as always, we would love for you to join in the conversation. So on Instagram or on Twitter, use the hashtag WellPlayedPodcast. And if you want to tag me at Mr. Matera, I would love to see what's going on and what you're thinking about our topic today. And today we have with us a fabulous guest, a personal friend and partner, business partner with me, uh, John Meehan. Welcome to welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, guy. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here. It feels like forever. Uh, it's been actually a, more than a hot minute, maybe a hot hour before uh, you've been on. These days, a hot hour? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, uh, well, it's good to have you back. Thanks, man. It's, it, I think the last time I was on for real was maybe last August. And uh, we said at that time, oh, yeah, John, I'm down. Uh, and you and I talked four to seven times a day on average so i was like yeah of course i would be on i guess i wouldn't i but we have so many things that we've been doing that this is one of the things that you do really well with the people that you have in and i love to hear new voices and bring people in and you and i are doing so many other things at so many other places give people a break from my voice because at a certain point it's the same jokes so (laughs) (laughs) uh well so today's topic teaching challenge i I'm really excited to kind of unpack this with you just so everybody kind of knows right out of the gate. We're not talking about just the difficulty of teaching. Uh, we're going to leave that to somebody else, that, that podcast, this one, we, as two people who love games and love sort of some of the challenges that come with a game, the puzzle that comes with a game, we felt like let's have a podcast where we kind of talk all about how, we can add self-imposed sort of challenges to our teaching, make it even a smidge more difficult. But in that difficulty comes a burst of creativity. That's actually what I love about games. You kind of get that hit of dopamine when you're like, oh my gosh, I figured it out. I'm going to like win the game or just do a little better in this moment because of something I've figured out. Uh, and every restriction gives us kind of a new perspective. And so we, we thought we'd cobble together some stories, some ideas of ways you could kind of spice up your lesson, spice up your activity, but mainly spice up what you have to do in the class. This one's way more about you and less sort of about the students. Yeah, I, I think before we went into it, like off air, we were talking, uh, there's a philosopher, Bernard Suits. He says that all games are alike in that they are a voluntary attempt to overcome an unnecessary obstacle. And in the classroom, especially the gamified classroom, if you're you know a long-time listener to the show, uh, you and I do a lot with gamified classrooms and like, you know, making it so that students are on quests and teams and guilds and adventures and, you know, they create RPG type characters and things like that. So as teachers, we find creative new ways to approach the stuff that they will do. 
But today will really be about making unnecessary obstacles for ourselves as teachers, which seems almost uh, like masochistic or sadistic here because the last couple of years have been so many obstacles. But let's add some fun ones for, for to see if we could uh, really just, again, force ourselves to just think differently. And I think it actually makes us more nimble and more empathetic, more vulnerable. Uh, and, and certainly when it works, uh, it, it, it makes you just it changes you. It changes you because it, it makes you uh, more present in that moment that it's not, you could not have scripted this. You would not have scripted it that way. It, it, it's, it's way harder than it needs to be. Um, so I'm excited to join it. Yeah. So right out of the gate, let's talk a little bit uh, for those of you that do use EMC two. I know one of the things you'll see that John and I use a lot is the time mechanic, right? This idea, that pressure that comes from that clock, you're in that bit of a pressure cooker. Uh, and, it's something that we use a lot with our students in these activities. Um, even if you're not in EMC2, right? Like you've all done it, right? You have five minutes to do this. You have 10 minutes to do this. The clock's ticking. Um, but that's not something we usually turn on ourselves. Like it's there. It's always in the background, right? Because like we only have this period. So right, time is somewhat always a constraint for teachers. But we don't usually hold ourselves to that challenge. Like right when we're about to launch a project, we don't say, I have literally 10 minutes to explain it to the class. Like, if it takes 15 minutes, it takes 15 minutes. If it takes 17 minutes, it takes 17 minutes. And you just sit there and you kind of meander through all the project requirements and examples and exemplars. We rarely, like, hard stop, like, 10 minutes is up. Like, I'm done explaining that and either on to the next activity or on to the next thing. Um, that's, I, I think, an interesting thing to turn on ourselves once or twice or... Yeah, I mean, I I I'm struck by the the curiosity index there. It's I know the the lie. I, I think Seth Godin says people rarely believe the stories that other people tell them, but they always believe the stories that they tell themselves. And the story I've told myself is: if I'm still talking in class, it must be because I'm being a great teacher. And a student individually, little Bobby Jenkins over there, needed a little bit more from me. I'm just I'm just a giving tree. You know, here I am, just giving and giving and giving and giving. Um, and at a certain point, like, maybe I need to shut up. And I, I don't know that, that that's true. I mean, maybe it is the moment certainly where, you know, you need to differentiate and scaffold for real. But the temptation is to almost to mansplain at that or teacher's plane. And um, could you set yourself on um, like a budget and, and challenge yourself to say, I know we have 42 minutes for today's class or 86 minutes for today's class. All right. I want to be done with the explanation by the four minute mark of my class. That includes the, Hey, how are you? the good to see you the, Hey, how about them Yankees? All those conversations, all the late homeworks, all the come on in, grab a seat. So let's do our organization, take a moment of mindfulness and get to the, like, I now have two minutes and 52 seconds to give my explanation and we are off to the races. And while in some ways that's really bad teaching because real teaching is, is about showing up and being present and making sure that, everyone in the room feels seen and understood and knows exactly clearly what is to be expected of them. Um, in moderation, I think it's a really cool challenge to, to say, Nope, I only get two minutes here. Uh, let me make it the best two minutes possible. Not just the most talking in two minutes. I think you and I often talk about that when we give PDs together, you say, I, I mean, I, John, you say, John, you, you always feel like you've shortchanged somebody or robbed somebody. If we are doing a 90 minute session and you go, 89 minutes you feel like you've, you've robbed them of time he's like but consider 
going 72 minutes and stopping and letting that next 18 minutes be a question and answer sessions and dialogue and, you know, giving people a chance to hazard their way through it and, and ask the questions that they need to for their own understanding to really get their hands on it. Let me move from pedagogy to andragogy, where people are really seeing not just a little bit of the why, but a whole lot of the how, and then to the end, the what. They get the chance to kind of try it and do it. And maybe that puts us in a very, um, ultimately, like a, a powerful or successful position as an education system, because we are working with them to say, hey, I too, I'm going to set myself to limitations here, so I don't just dominate or mansplain to that same end. Yeah, so two stories I have on on the time mechanic that I have used. One, like definitely don't do I don't do this daily, but um on a on a uh lesson where it was going to be a little lecture heavy. Like it was I was telling I was telling a story, right? About some piece of history and instead of like going through it, it was going to be a little more story format, so it was going to take some time. And I actually asked the kids before I started. I had, I literally had my iPhone out. I was going to set a timer. I was like, guys, like, how much time are we, will you afford me? I said, I don't usually lecture at you. I actually like, I'm already going to kind of pre-apologize about this, but I'm doing all that to to pique curiosity, right? Like, and so that like that was all intentional. But I'm like telling them like, I'm so sorry, but like, how much time c- can you give me to basically talk at you? Like, there's going to be pff, nothing for you to do but listen. How much are you willing to give me? And like one kid says like 50 minutes. I love like history. Okay, great. Right. And then like other kids like two minutes, blah, blah, blah. The group decided on something like 12 minutes or something. So, okay. I set my thing for 12 minutes. They were awesome. Cause like one, we pre-set up like, this is my time now, which like was kind of cool to like have that dynamic. And then I told the story for 12 minutes. And when the timer you know, like I did it a little bit, like you're almost giving a speech, like the timer was in front of me. So I could kind of pace my cadence. Like, and when I had four minutes left, I knew like, oof, these are my final four minutes. Where do I want to land this plane? And I got to the end. So it wasn't like mid sentence, like timers off. I got to the end, but there was clearly more I could have gone on, you know, almost like one of these 20 minute episodes on Netflix of a year long series. Yeah. You, you, I did leave them a little hanging. But like you did have resolution. If I never come back to that story, there was resolution. But they yeah. they knew there was more, and it was so cool. Students, I mean, like some of them were like, "You you can have ten more. You can have ten mm-hmm. more." And I didn't take it. I didn't take it. I was like, "That's what we got." Like maybe maybe if we have some time, we can double back to that story or whatever. But like that time restraint on myself, the humbleness to sort of tell the kids like this, I'm so sorry, helped. And uh, they perceived that time different. Yep, 100%. Because they're vested in it. I mean, you know, my brother does that with his three-year-old. He says, do you want mommy to put you to bed or daddy to put you to bed? But, like, JJ has a choice in that moment. Like, ooh, do I want mommy or daddy? You're still going to bed. That's the rules yeah. here. But, but, like, do you want Mr. Matera to talk for two minutes or six minutes or 12 minutes? Because you're an adult. You can time it so that I can do the elevator pitch version of it or the shaggy dog story over drinks with friends. Um, and, and at a certain point it still accomplishes the same end, but even more than that, there's a volition and I think a vulnerability that comes with that. I, I mean, I keep going back to those same words. Um, in, in my class, I did a, a Pichakasha where students have, uh, 20 minutes, uh, 20 slides that each have 20 seconds a piece. And after the title slide, it auto advances. So it's exactly like six minutes and 20 seconds or whatever it is. Um, it's five like, minutes. I think it's five minutes, right? 
I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm it's, clearly I'm not a math teacher. Someone, uh, please send all hate mail to at me, me and edu. That's that's that's, that's my uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk. Um, but that's it. It's I think it's six minutes and twenty. Are you googling it now? You are. I'm not googling it. I know it. It's five minutes. That's not true. It's not. Now I have to look it up. Darn it, Matera. Now, now this now this digression has gone to another part of a digression. But if it's twenty slides at twenty seconds a piece, it's still four hundred seconds. And then that divided by 60 seconds is six minutes and 40 seconds. I'm going to, I rarely do this, but I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> oh, no, this is so much better. We're going to spend six minutes on just this fight. Um, but we were doing pachachas in class. Um, all right. I set them up at the end of a minute to be like, you have to tell me back everything you know, and you have to do it in six minutes and 40 seconds, 20 slides, 20 seconds a piece. Um, but to model the vulnerability, I gave the instructions for that activity as a time, 20 slides, 20 seconds a piece with the, with the demo in there. Um, and that was cool. I think that's cool that for teachers to do that sort of thing. I think uh, uh, Jennifer Gonzalez in the uh, Cult of Pedagogy, she calls that dog fooding, where we oftentimes serve stuff to our pets, but we forget to like taste the food uh, that we would serve out. So like, let's, let's not be afraid to dog food our own thing. Um, and that was for me really, really powerful and, you know, frightening. I'm trying to get it. Oh my God, the slide's moving on. Kids are kind of laughing and being uh, involved in it. That's a fantastic way to, to, to join. You're smiling. So you must know something that I don't know. No, I'm smiling. Cause it's, it's, I like seeing you light up when you light up about your students. <laughs> it's, it's fun to see you that, that passionate about teaching and, and the challenge. I mean, that's why we do what we do. Um, I don't know. I think. Sometimes that's what we need to think about our classrooms as is spaces in which kids can challenge themselves, right? Sometimes I think we get caught up in the the grading and the assessment and the like the adulting of education as opposed to just this is a playful arena in which kids are going to push and challenge themselves. And I just watching you kind of light up about the restrictions of this game, but yet the seriousness of what they're learning, right? Doing a speech like that is so fascinating to watch because you really have to like know the timing know the cadence hit it and then a lot of times the when you have 20 seconds on slide you don't put words on there right so now even to build one of these it's an it's a tremendous exercise and also trying to like reduce down what am, what am i talking about for this 20 seconds that can yeah. be summed up in a picture it's, it's it's noise and it's about the intentionality and it's again about modeling vulnerability where you're saying it's hard to talk in front of other people about anything. So I'm going to show you that I don't take myself so seriously, but I'm really serious about the rules of this game. Um, I think one of the great games that I've been playing a lot of is that uh, poetry for Neanderthals, uh, where you have only so- single syllable words to describe a topic or, you know, whatever the, the, the keyword is. And it's just so dumb, but it, it everyone is in on the joke together. And for that reason, you're, you're really just, there's an esprit de corps that, all right, we can all settle into the space where emotional safety has been created. Um, and monkeying with time is a great way to do it. Uh, two other quick time things that I just wanted to, to, to roll out for teachers. Um, if you want to try it for yourself, uh, one thing I do is I post the sign outside of my classroom door that says observe me with my big goals for the year. And at any point, any teacher can come on through and observe me. And these are things I want feedback on. Um, and one of the ones that I said is I want a student-centered classroom. So five, six years ago when I started, I said, I want 50% of the time or more to be student conversation or student activity. And year after year after year, I was like, yeah, we've got to set new goals. Um, 
50% became 60%, became 70%, became at this point, I mean, I, I'm asking for 85 or 90% of my classroom time should be my students should be doing talking. Um, if you don't feel comfortable doing that every day, do that for one day. Hey, can I get someone to observe me and tell me percentage-wise how much time? Because I think we we, we misestimate. I mean, like there's, there's so much research, especially about males and females in rooms together. Men believe that they talk a lot less than they do. But when they see it on paper, you know, if a woman is talking even a little bit, they think they're dominating the conversation. It's like, no, humble yourself and see that metric that changes you. I mean, it forces you to see your own ears. Um, or put yourself on a budget. Look, I'm going to hold my phone, and anytime I talk, I'm going to unpause it, that I have my stopwatch is going, and I get six minutes of talking today in class, but only six minutes. Um, little ways that you can kind of monkey with that time mechanic or that rationing. I think those are really powerful ways to, to have some fun with that, that same sort of element. Okay, now I'm going to switch it on a complete flip side. Here we're talking about how much time we can talk, time we can talk, time we can talk, time we can own. Uh, flip the challenge. I would not do this next one like as a like lifetime goal by any means, but just fun. Maybe it's because I teach middle school, but like sometimes you need to just shake up class and be a little zany. What about using no spoken words, right, for an entire period, which... Then, then you like stack that up and say that would be no words for like the day, really, right? Because then kids start to say like, Mr. Matera didn't say anything in first period, you know? Like maybe he's got a sore throat. I don't know, right? And then, then you know, next class comes in, next class comes in. And it's kind of all day there. Like what is he going to do for like seven, yeah. 70 minutes without using a single word, a uh, spoken word? So to kind of burst the bubble there is those of you trying to figure out what I did for 70 minutes. uh up on my screen, I just put a giant, you know, make the full screen Google Doc, and then I set the font to whatever, like 105, and start. I just type, and I, like, shorthand everything. Like, I look you in the eye, and I might just reduce your name to, like, the first letter. Like, so I might just, like, J, well, you know, how's your day? And then I, like, stare at you, and, like, you get that I'm talking to John. Because, again, if I have to call on every kid and do everything, like, little, like, I got to, like, reduce. I can't type everything everything out um so nonetheless it 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 produced again a heightened like presence in class for those students because now they're like finding this form of communication kind of hilarious but they still did the work if i said like all right you guys got five minutes to do but i'm typing all this you got five minutes to go do x you know talk to your partners about why like they all did it i think it's awesome um i I recently because i I hurt my leg uh, this summer. I broke my foot. Uh, so I've been laid up a little bit and forced to be aware of other senses that I have. You know, so like my, 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 my shoulders, my back, my arms. I'm doing a lot of moving around to walk, quote unquote, with, with my upper body. Um, and it's when you subtract that you are aware of what you gain, I think. Um, I think that that's a very powerful thing in a classroom because the second it's no words Wednesday, that silence really does speak volumes. Students are, are in in a very different way because it's not, again, it's not accidental. It's, it's nope, today we're only going to be doing it this way. Yes, we could have done it a different way, but today we're doing it this way. Um, it's the same way that uh, I think Jay McGonagall talks about the game of golf. You know, the easiest way to play golf is to take the ball in your hand and drop it into a cup. But the game of golf is designed that you have to stand hundreds of feet or yards away and they put all these different obstacles between there you have these different lengths of clubs that have different abilities and you have to do it all in the fewest number of strokes possible. Like 
And if you did anything more or less, it would be cheating or violating the rules of the game. The sanctity of, yeah, there are other ways to do it, but we don't just get into the golf carts and drop the ball into the hole. Instead, we commit that for this point, even though we wear these funny costumes and maybe we have a few drinks between holes and we laugh and we spend hours out there, like to pick up the ball with your hand would be sacrosanct. To speak a single word in my Wednesday class would be just like so beyond the pale. And I think that that's a cool, it's, it's, it's cool because it is just so ruthless in a way. Like it, it invites kids to say, hey, if he could do that or we could do that, you know, I mean, I think that's a really cool challenge. And especially as you're dealing with younger students, um, there's a fascination to that quietude. Um, like let's be still, let's be present and then let's, let's, let's do it together. Yeah, I mean, again, too, that, that surprise element, right? It's just being different, and maybe that's what I love about, I mean, I have a massive board game collection, and I like it because each box presents a different challenge. You know, even if there's similar mechanics that are, you know, this one's borrowing these three mechanics, but I've never seen them put together that way, and, like, being presented with that challenge is sort of fun and fresh, even with old stuff. So, like, even though my lesson for the day was old like it's things that i've had them talk about and do and you know like they understand the mechanics of my class but this one mechanic changed and that was i wasn't verbally like present and and it was different and then like that became exciting even though the rest of everything else was the same right we were following basically the same lesson flow that we follow daily and this one mechanic change changed everything well, I mentioned the, the broken foot uh, the past week. I was at the, the, the Jersey Shore with my extended family to do like a beach week. Uh, and I, because I, I can't go on the beach, I can't get any sand in the cast, I can't, you know, go in the water. Um, I just brought a bunch of board games. And that's always what I do. But uh, this time around, I brought like two or three big duffel bags. And thankfully, my girlfriend carried all of them. I was so grateful for that. Uh, but like, I, I can't, I'm not much fun other than, hey, once in a while, I play a board game. Um, but I'll be dipped if I didn't bring like comfortably 30 board games on the trip, my family, and this is me, my mom, my dad, uh, my aunt, my uncle, my brother, uh, my, my sister-in-law, um, and my girlfriend. So like eight of us sitting at the table for hours, 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 night after night after night, we played one game. And the game we played was a game called the mind, which I know you've, you've, you've played, um, which is take cards that are numbered from one to 100. Everyone gets a few of them and put them down in order from lowest value to highest value. Easy enough, except you're not allowed to see one of those cards until you play the card. So you have to kind of guess who plays one. Um, and you're not allowed to talk or make any communication happen between, uh, you know, I have like the seven and you have like the 20. So who plays what, when we can just do this, like, you know, standoff where we, do you know that I know that you know kind of thing. But for four nights or five nights, we played for three or four hours, this stupid game where we were just not talking. And, the purpose was to come together as a family and play as many games as we could and have as many laughs as we could. And every time we succeeded, we would just like be elated. And every time we failed, we'd be slamming cards and throwing and shouting at each other. And like, it was such a joy because the purpose was to do this thing together. We monkeyed with the mechanic of noise to make that happen. But like, I would have thought for sure, it's like a 15 minute really lightweight game that should have been an envoy into much deeper and more involved things. But we're also playing as a team. And that was a mechanic we had never really done as a family, where it's usually, okay, I own Boardwalk, you own Park Place. It was Colonel Mustard, and, you know, that was the game. Now it's we're playing as a team. How high can we go in this? Okay, now I can do two-card space, three-card space, five-card. Like, it, it, it's 
dumb small stuff that commits to again that 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 ruthless commitment to there's just one thing, but that one thing is everything. Um, now, now I have now I have to like jump in here and share another game. The mind is wonderful. I absolutely love it. It's a great one to teach, and really anybody. And if you kind of want to get them into new and different board games, that's a great kind of gateway. While like you said, it's not the deepest and the biggest, but like it's just so different. Um, but I don't know. Have you ever seen The Crew? No, but now I have a new purchase. <laughs> like The Crew is like a trick-taking card game. But the game is, it's like, I've never done a trick-taking game like this. It's cooperative trick-taking, like the, everybody. It's not like you and me are paired against the two other people. Like, nope, all four of us are doing this together. And the crew comes with, I think, 50 missions, which are 50 basically slight variations on like different trick-taking games. So like in the first one, maybe you have to like, Maybe one person has to take all the nines. And, Ooh, okay. and like we might know who that person is. Like the, this like card is in front of you that's like, oh, John's got to take all the nines. But like I might have two nines in my hand and nine in this game I think is the highest. So it's like how can I get John to get this? But same thing, you're not allowed to speak about it. Right, 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 right. And so it's like, oh, John doesn't know that I have two nines. I don't know how many tr- trump cards he has to take the nines from me. Excellent. Oh my God, like how do I do this? But somehow we all figure it out. And then like you go to the next mission, which is just a different, like now it's not about the nine rule. Now it's about like hearts only, right? Yeah. Now that it's like, oh, Mary has to take all the evens. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) I think about games like Magic Maze. I think about games like uh, Five Minute Dungeon. And they all play that cooperative that it, it, it's trick-taking or it's turn-taking or it's, it's just the esprit de corps. And I think so many, you know, quote, gamers of, 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 of your, of yesteryear, are like, oh, it's about me beating you into the ground, you know, or like playing these really long or elaborate games. It's like, no, these are really lightweight games that are designed to be cooperative collaboratives. Um, and I think that, you know, like a game like Pandemic or a game like Horrified does the same kind of thing. But interesting elements like that in the classroom that we're we're mess, messing with just one thing but we as a group have to do this together um and we have to always end up with michael has to have the ball with one minute left because he has to be the guy who makes the, the, the final shot you know something like that um i would challenge teachers to to play with that element of cooperative you know cooperative elements i loved um my classroom using uh equity maps which is an ipad app um, and it shows you how evenly you're spreading the ball around in the conversation. Um, we just tap the different person as they talk and it keeps a clock, a shot clock for how much the, the equity of conversation is being spread around. Uh, and then we look at the dashboard afterwards. Okay. We did an 80% spread of equity here. Um, you spoke seven times. I spoke six times, but between us, we spoke an average about a minute and 26 seconds a piece. And the average student spoke seven times a piece and everyone reflects on their own performance. And, you know, it becomes a team sport. Um, adding elements of cooperative and that collaborative in a classroom, it, even for something as, as small or as simple as what otherwise would have been a true review day. Now everybody's reviewing. Everybody has to be in the conversation because I think the temptation, and I, I know I'm guilty of it as a teacher is you're short on time. You're pressed on time. You always feel the time mechanic to, to kicking away. So you're like, all right, any questions? Uh, and of course the answer to that was Bobby, can you get that back to us? And because Bobby gives you the false positive, you're like, yes, Bobby understood. See, I'm a good teacher. Uh, Bobby understood it. There should be no questions because Bobby didn't know before class. But if Bobby knows it, then we all must. So say we all. 
Um, so true. And then, no, that, that, that's not true. Uh, you know, I think that collaborative element, that monkeying with that is a fantastic challenge as an educator to bring it into the classroom as well. Well, I mean, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, but time flies. We got through, we had like a list of like 10 challenges, but we got through exactly two, two, <laughs> two challenges. That's not true. We talked to like, uh, well, we talked about the track agenda for like an hour. Uh, but, but there was, there was two or three other ones in there. So I feel, I feel like there was a, an accurate uh, representative sample of the ladder. We shall have another episode. All right. Uh, well, let's end with reflection time here. Uh, this one comes from a uh, Tony Robbins quote here. Don't limit your challenges. Challenge your limits. Each day we must strive for constant and never-ending improvement. How does that hit you? Well, you know, Michael, we set out for this podcast to say we are going to do 10 different or 8 different. We had some ideas about what we do, right? Um challenges that we're going to do or limits we're going to mess with and we found out in talking about it that the energy starts to vibe on this and what was a oh quick hits here's five seconds of each one end up being and there's actually a lot more to say we can do a whole podcast about just element three or element seven um i think that's a, a testament to that idea of challenging limits and click a pen grab a notebook write some stuff down as you're doing it you're going to start to feel like an idea factory if you just say today i'm going to write down five ideas, five ideas every day for 365 days or for 180 days of teaching. You'll have over 500 ideas in a notebook. You're like, I am an idea factory. That is awesome. Um, and even if 90% of those ideas suck, if even 10% of them are okay, you push the ones that are okay. And it's really hard to edit a blank page. It's very easy to make something that is okay, a little bit better. And that is how we get better every single day. Yeah, I like the author Sean Ankor uh, talking about how like the process is more like leads to higher levels of engagement, leads to like greater happiness. It's less about the actual like end result. It's less about getting to the destination. It's about going through to that destination. And so when I hear this quote, you know, about don't limit your challenges, I think a lot of times we do try to play it safe. We're like not looking for more challenges. We're looking for less challenges, streamlining things. Um, but I like this idea of challenging your limits. Like, let's see the edges of ourselves and how can we push ourselves to explore beyond those edges a little bit and thus to find new edges. And I think the empowerment that comes from that, the excitement that comes from that, and the challenge that comes from that, it's just, it's, it's awesome. Like hearing our stories today, those were I mean, both of us lit up on those stories. So not only were they a challenge, but we got through them and we like smile and we're like, oh my gosh, we did X, Y, Z. This was a great class, a great lesson. Kids talked about it. I'm going to do it again. Like, but that was an area, space and place where like when I wrote it down, when I said I was going to do it, it was like, ooh, like can I get through 70 minutes without, like, am I really going to do this? And all of a sudden you do it that first period and then you, then, then a new edge is, Am I really going to do this all day? Yeah. And I mean, and then you want to do that thing where you say, I did it with first period. And then can second period beat first period? Or when they fall just shy of it, how frustrated will they be and want to do it again during third period or again on Tuesday or the next Wednesday? Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just awesome to have that many at-bats in the classroom with, 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 a, with a team who's on board to, to, to play the same you know, purpose. That, that, that's, that's the job. That's, that's the awesomeness of the, what we get to do. 
So true. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to another well-played podcast. Again, we'd absolutely love hearing from you. So if you want to tag us on Instagram or Twitter and use the hashtag well-played podcast, love to hear your thoughts, your challenges. See if you're going to pick up any one of these challenges. Uh, And who knows, maybe we'll have another episode where we hit to some of those other challenges we didn't get to. But again, it's not completing the challenge it's sort of aiming at it and doing our best and that's what we did today that's what we did today thanks big for being thumbs up. big thumbs up thanks everybody for being a part of it have a great day and play on